0: times, folks joining us right now. He is a uh, watchdog RI, and he has under uh, come out with some tremendous information, and that's our friend Ken Block. Good afternoon, Ken. Good afternoon, Jack. Well, first of all, on behalf of the people of Rhode Island, I want to thank you for your diligence, but I want to give you a chance to explain what you've already started to uncover regarding uh, voting and people v- uh, voting seemingly multiple times, and also on top of that, with duplicate voter registration information?
1: Sure. Uh, so Watchdog Rhode Island, uh, every probably every two years or so, likes to take a look at uh, Rhode Island's voting data. Uh, it's something that uh, we do. Just here in Rhode Island, and we've also taken a, a, a good look at national data. Uh, many we've, we've looked at all but about six states' voting data across the country. And as we uh, came back and started looking at Rhode Island's data uh, this time around, there were a number of things that popped out that we don't typically look for, um, and we were we were toggled to it because of the mail ballot applications that were were mailed out to everybody for the June presidential primary. Uh, I received a lot of reports of people receiving mail ballot applications for individuals who had died, uh, for people who had moved away, sometimes decades in the past. Yep. Um, And then we learned from the Secretary of State's office after all the dust settled that they received more than 100,000 mail ballot applications that were marked as uh return to sender. Uh, those, those mail ballot applications were mailed out to people at addresses that were not deliverable. So on top of that, I believe there's another 100,000 registered voters in Rhode Island who also no longer live here or who are deceased Um, But the mail service delivered those mail ballots anyway. So they never came back to the secretary of state as undeliverable. So they're admitting there's 100,000 registered voters on our rolls who should not be. Uh, I believe there's another 100,000. And and I have some data to back that up. Uh, Prior to... The for any voter who was registered to vote prior to 2012, we took a look uh, at those voters, and there were. I can give you the exact number. Give me one
0: second, okay, folks. Again, we're um, speaking with Ken Block. Go ahead, Ken.
1: So uh, when when we when we looked at the uh, voters who registered to vote prior to 2012. There's about 179,000 of them who have not voted in any election since the 2012 election, including the 2012 election. So there's 179,000 voters who have been registered to, to, to have been registered to vote long enough to have voted in the 2012 election and all subsequent elections who have not cast a ballot. Uh, In any of those elections And then on top of that There's another 35,000 or so Voters who registered to vote Between the 2012 election And the 2014 election Who have not voted in any election From 2014 until now So there's more than 200,000 voters Registered voters Who have not voted uh, You know, in any recent election whatsoever And that matches up To the undeliverable, 100,000 that are undeliverable. And that's just a little bit of supporting information for why I believe I'm really right, that there's another 100,000 that should come off. Now, let's think about that. There's 800,000 registered voters in Rhode Island. 200,000 of them, if I'm right, have no business being on the rolls because they're either dead or they've moved away. So one out of every four vote registered voters in Rhode Island should not be. And I'm pretty confident uh, in that call based based on the data that we've looked at. So that was one of the big things that's come out. And, you know, what this shows for sure is that we've had decades of secretaries of state that have not done a good job in managing our voter registration data because this stuff isn't hard, right? It's not hard to, to figure out when somebody moves away. Uh, it's harder to figure out when somebody uh, had, is, is deceased, believe it or not. Uh, and, and I won't get into the, the, the difficulties there. A lot of it is Rhode Island's own making for, for why they're having trouble doing that. But you know, we found 2,000 dead registered voters who were able to vote in the twenty thousand and eighteen general election, two thousand dead registered voters, and one of them actually cast a
0: vote. Wow! And, Ken, can you repeat that? Can you re- can you repeat that number? It must have been Lazarus. Can you repeat that number again? Of one in how many Rhode Islanders that is voting is probably is in that's name is on there is ineligible to vote? Yes,
1: yeah, probably one out of every
0: four. What so 25%, one out of four whose votes are being counted are most likely ineligible to vote. Yep. Wow. Ken Block, that is an amazing, astounding number. Now, what is your take on why Senate President Dominic Ruggiero refuses to go along with Secretary State Nelly Gorbia's demand that basically the entire primary and fall general election for president all be mail ballot um she seems too vested in that she seems too that's not okay why we were just trying to make it convenient for people she seems to if i'm reading this right she's too motivated to have that what does this deny that office if they don't allow everyone to be have uh be able to do mail ballot?
1: denies the office per se uh, and as you look, there are states that have all male ballot elections. Colorado is one of them. Oregon is another one of them. Um, they typically work okay. Uh, you know, but they also and I can say this with some certainty they take care of their data far better than Rhode Island does.
0: Sure. Yep.
1: So the, the first order of business here, if we're going to go down the road of all mail ballot votes, and by the way, for a change of that magnitude to our uh, system of voting, that kind of a change should not be done via executive order. It should not be done via some sort of rule or regulation coming out of the Secretary of State's office. Right. It shouldn't even happen as a result of a vo- vote by the Board of Elections to fundamentally change how our system of voting happens should be an act of the legislature. So, you know, and and, and I think that's important because we have seen changes made to our voting system under executive order. Uh, You know, and and I think that's that's dangerous. Am I a, a hard and fast forever foe of mail ballots? You know, I'm not, and they're never going to go away. So uh, as they're used more and more, successful campaigns are going to have to figure out how to deal with them, oh. right? They're, that they're, they're here to stay uh, no matter what anybody says or does. And, and so the campaigns had better figure out what they need to do. it. But you can't have them. You can't have mail ballots and not have a system that's open for tremendous abuse if the data that underpins your voter registration data is, is awful. Right? And, and our data is awful. Um, and look, we're just scratching the surface with the people who are dead and, and who have moved away decades ago. Um, amongst the information that was sent to me, I, when I went out on social media, I said, hey, look, you know, if you received a, a mail ballot application that you shouldn't have, send it to me. Right. And, and I was Inundated. Yeah. Uh, one social media inquiry. I had like 150 responses.
0: Yeah, and I was even directing uh, people to, to send them to you, uh, yeah. Ken. And, and I, you know, that's I don't even know if they all followed up on it, but but it just shows I'm sure that, they didn't. yeah. I'm sure.
1: And, and look, what's important to note is every one of those hundred and whatever number uh, I got, those were not marked as undeliverable and sent back to the Secretary of State. Hmm. Right? The post office actually delivered those. So one of the one of the sets of information I received to that request was somebody who got two mail ballot applications.
0: Wow. Think same that. name,
1: same address and everything. So huh. we dug into it. We dug into it and, and sure enough that person had two completely different voter registrations. Hmm. Same person, same date of birth, same address. So now now we start to ask ourselves, okay, how many other people have that? And so we looked for that situation, and we found 200 people who uh, had duplicate voter registrations for the same person, same name, same birth date, uh, and same address. And it turns out one of those 200 people actually voted twice in 2018. They cast a ballot in person. And then they also cast a mail ballot. Oh. So, you know, when people talk about voter fraud, voter fraud will happen if you let it.
0: Right. right? That's right, Ken Block. If, <clears throat> if
1: your data is bad. Yep. Right. And, and, and we found tens of thousands of people who have voted twice in different states. So, right. We have people who voted in Rhode Island. Yep. And they also voted in some other states state in 2018
0: right
1: so and that happens because we don't have a national system to prevent it from happening Hmm. right so every every state maintains its voter registration data without coordinating with any other state so yeah there's a gigantic uh opportunity for duplicate registrations to be out there for the same person in different states and, you know, up until we started looking at this in 2016, I'm not aware of anybody who was really looking to see if people were casting two votes in two different states.
0: They're not, is and the answer. And certainly not Rhode Island, so, can Block.
1: Well, Rhode Island doesn't... <coughs> look, the finding duplicate registrations is one of the simpler things you can do. Sure. In terms of making sure your data's okay. Yep. And to have found 200... Duplicate registrations, which were active in, in late 2019, okay? The, the, the version of the Rhode Island's voter data we're working off of is, is uh, December of 2019, when we got it. Those 200 duplicate registrations, most of them were uh, active and part of the 2018 general election. Oh. So they've been out there for more than a year. Yep. Right? How is it we aren't finding that? Right. And and so if, if we raise this issue, I think before the presidential primary, but probably not long enough before the primary for for the secretary of state to have taken any action. So those two hundred duplicate registered voters could have been casting ballots in the presidential primary.
0: Yeah, Ken. I time. I don't see. I I also don't see any prevent measure of if you go back to 2018 that someone could have voted by mail and then also gone and voted at the polls i i just don't see it because i also i don't think we, we haven't they say that they haven't found one person that did that but they're also not looking for it either right well so i'll tell you something that
1: uh i don't think anybody knows in rhode island except for the secretary of state's office Okay. Me. yep um the Rhode Island participates in a uh, multi-state uh, effort called ERIC,
0: okay.
1: which is a consortium of states where they pool their voter registration data together uh, to try to get at you know, duplicate registrations and that sort of thing. So, you know, on its face, it sounds like a really good thing. And yep. uh, when it works, it actually is a really good thing. Uh, but now ERIC was finding duplicate registrations, but they made a a very strong point of refusing to take the next step and looking to see if those duplicate registrations also had votes attached to them. So they had the data, they had the capability to look for the duplicate votes, but they did not actually do it. Hmm. Well, that changed in late 2019, and states had the option who participated in ERIC to have ERIC look for duplicate voting as well. Uh, And I started, you know, I follow this stuff closely around the country. Sure. And I saw some press releases from some other secretaries of state that they had received from ERIC, in some cases, hundreds of duplicate votes uh, for them to research where that secretary's uh, state saw the vote on one side and that person cast the vote in some other state as well. Yep. And, and by the way, those other states were restricted to eight states.
0: Oh.
1: Okay, because those are the only ones who who uh, said that they would participate. Rhode Island was one of those participating states. So I never saw a press release. I called over to the office and I asked them if I missed it, and they said no. And I, and I asked them, I said, well, you know, will you disclose to me the information that these other secretaries are disclosing uh, through their press releases. How many cases did you get? Yep. Uh, how many have you referred off to law enforcement? That sort of thing. And what they told me was that they they referred one case out to law enforcement.
0: Huh. Wow.
1: And now here's here's what's interesting though. <laughs> they, they referred the case to law enforcement. So Rhode Island has has some crazy elections laws they did they, they really they have some laws that are just head scratchers and one of the bigger ones for me is a one-year statute of limitations
0: yes on that's a right.
1: voting crime yes okay so when i was communicating to the secretary of state about this earlier this year they told me they referred the case out to the attorney general's office who is going to look at it and say I can't do anything. The statute of limitations is expired.
0: That's right. Wow. Right? Now,
1: they should have referred it to the U.S. attorney. Yes. Because duplicate uh, voting crimes federally have a five-year statute of limitations. Wow. So uh, what I find disingenuous and really bogus, and I know I just, that's totally repeating myself there, but what has what, what just irks me beyond all ends is the secretary is fond of saying there hasn't been a – there hasn't been a uh, – uh, uh, anybody formally charged with election fraud in decades here. Well, first of all, they're not really looking for it. No. Second of all, when it's handed to them, they're choosing to investigate it through a mechanism where they can't possibly return a charge.
0: That's right. Wow. That's amazing. And, folks, again, good afternoon. It's Sean DiPietro Sweet with Ken Ken Block. Ken, um, could you also touch on, I just remembered that right after the election, the Providence Journal made a motion in court to go after Secretary of State Nelly Gorbia to release all the voter information. Um, That was now a year and a half ago. That was done in November, December of 2018. Here we are. It's July 2020. Do we know where that case stands?
1: They settled it. The Providence Journal entered a secret settlement
0: with wow. the
1: secretary of state's office. Huh. Um, so that's gone. I don't know what the terms of the settlement are. Wow. Uh, and the uh, voter registration data is as closed to the general public now as it was before the
0: lawsuit. That is amazing, because I was going to say number one uh, very surprised the journal settled it number two into a secret settlement and number number three uh, so we're just all left not knowing who were all these people on the voter rolls that should not be on the voter rolls for those that missed it and Ken knows the numbers I it was it was around that if every single person in the state 18 older, every single person uh, registered to vote that there would be, I believe it was around like seven hundred eighty-one thousand total potential voters. If every single person, uh, instead, according to the census, there were four hundred and fifty, I think, and then, but according to Secretary of State Nelly Gobia, <clears throat> there's seven hundred ninety thousand people registered to vote, which would put it to over two hundred thousand over that are on the voter rolls than actually potential, uh, according to the census. Ken, I, I'm right in the ballpark with those numbers, correct? So, <clears throat> as,
1: I, as I understand the numbers, there are about 800,000 Rhode Islanders
0: oh, okay.
1: who are of the age to vote.
0: Okay? Yep. Um,
1: and we have essentially 100% voter registration.
0: Yeah, that's impossible. Uh, which, which is impossible. It is.
1: Uh, and look, I unfortunately know a good number of people who refuse to vote.
0: Sure. Interest in it. Yeah.
1: Um, you know, and, and again, uh, it's, it's funny. The Secretary of State has said multiple times in public, the voter rolls are not bloated. They're not bloated. You know, we don't have – we really don't have that issue. Come on. Um, but then they admit – that 100,000 of the 800,000 voter registrations came back to them as undeliverable. That's that's one out of every eight. That's right. Of, of bloat. And, and I, I believe there's another one out of every eight that they were not sent back to them. Sure. Right? So I think it makes – look, uh, it, uh, on a very, very heavy election in Rhode Island, yep. we get about 400,000 votes. So – Are you telling me that we have – does it make more sense that there are 800,000 validly registered voters or that there are 600,000 validly registered voters? Right. Right. To me, it makes much more sense that there are 600,000, of whom 400,000 are, you know, vote actively choosing to cast a ballot.
0: Sure. You're right.
1: Because otherwise – our voter participation is miserable. Yes. Right? Yeah. We get, we get you know, look, in a, in, a, in a bligh year, we get 300,000 people
0: voting. Right, right. And that's not the right? case. That's not the case. And also with this ballot harvesting, um, well, Ken, Ken Block, before I let you go, some good news is at least that Judge Erickson is no longer, he wanted to be reappointed to the Board of Elections. Governor Mundo did not do that. Um, and he's still very antagonistic on social media. That was someone that, um, again, it's, it's kind of like, you know, protesting too much. Something about that, always claiming, uh, very obnoxious, very, very defensive, uh, rude, attacking manner style when you have someone like Ken Block who's really just trying to get to the root of it. Ken, um, are, can we, are we going to see this? Um, are you going to hold a press briefing? Are you going to just post it on your website? How do you formally get this to the general public?
1: So WPRI did a, a couple of stories late last week. Okay. Uh, early early uh, Beginning of last week and late last week. Yep. Uh, where they talked about the bloat, the bloated register. Yes. Rule.
0: Oh, okay. I think um, I caught one of those with Walt Butow. Okay.
1: Yeah. And, and then there was a second one that got in a little bit more uh, deeply in, into the bloated and mail ballot security type thing. Okay. Um, you know, this issue is a follow up to that story and in fact um, I believe Walt hopefully is going to be following up with the Secretary of State on the 200,000 duplicate registrations and that sort of thing Uh, and I believe that we'll see you know we should be able to see another story and of course of great interest you know (laughs) the Secretary of State with a wink and a nod refer out that duplicate vote because they had two voter registrations to the attorney
0: general again. Yeah.
1: Um, You know, and, and if she does, she should get just hammered for it. Right. Because if anybody should understand Rhode Island's elections laws, it should be her.
0: That's right.
1: And, uh, you know, it's, uh, I, I, I actually believe that her mission is to get out of her term yeah. Without actually prosecuting successfully any voter fraud. She You're wants right. to be able to say
0: yep. there's no such thing as somebody who committed voter fraud You're right. in Rhode Island, even yes. though she's staring at examples of it yeah. uh, all
1: the time. By the way, Steve uh, Steve Erickson was behind probably one of the bigger cover-ups of, uh, of not prosecuting voter fraud. When I handed him 250 uh, votes that were cast in 2016... Yep from places that you know by voters who were registered to vote at UPS stores and 7-Eleven, yeah, places right. like that. And he sat on it and waited until the statute of limitations expired. Yes. And what you know, and they they were slow to get me the data, they weren't really talking to me. And then once the once the statute was expired, he said with some glee in his voice, Well, statute's expired, you know, we can't do anything.
0: <laughs> right? Wow. So Look, it's happened. Yep.
1: There's plenty of examples of it. That's now, right. Am I saying that it's tipping over elections or anything like that? I'm not. Uh, what I'm saying right now is we have some. We're not effectively dealing with our systems in a way that, <laughs> that makes it impossible for some of this stuff to happen. By the way, if we had our, we had our data in check... You would close off a lot of the problems that have allowed some of these bad votes to be cast.
0: Sure.
1: Right? So it's really, and honestly, it's on the Secretary of State. It's on the Board of Elections. By the way, and this didn't make it into Walt's story, The uh, as we were going through trying to understand uh, an issue where there was a bunch of voters who were registered to vote, uh, where the database did not – show that they had a social dri- a social security number or a driver's license. Wow. And a thousand people vote registered to vote that way. Huh. newly registered voters in tw- 2018. That is ridiculous. Uh, in, in advance of the election. Wow. And so, you know, I focused right on that. Yes. And started poking at it and I was like, you know, federal law requires you can register to vote without providing that information. Yep. But you're not allowed to vote without providing it.
0: That's right. Yes. Right? So
1: how come, and about half of those thousand actually voted? You know, in and that,
0: 2018, that is that is astounding. And that also, Ken Block leads into um, that. From what I am told, no one gets turned down that wants to register a vote. You don't have to show an ID. You just put the X. If you, if and especially when the campaigns go out to register quote new voters, they don't turn down anyone. It does not matter. It's never challenged. And there's no one even to look to see if Ken Block is there and says, yeah, uh, I live at 14 Main Street and I'm not going to give you my uh, Social Security number or anything like that. You put an X, then that that's it. That's good enough for them. They don't challenge it. And then the campaign has that. And then they make sure that the vote comes from Ken Block that lives at 14 Main Street, even though Ken Block may also have registered to vote in three other different cities or towns.
1: Yeah, I haven't seen... I haven't seen too much of that, uh, you know, in terms of same person, you know, that I can confirm that
0: it's the same person well, in but different the, places. The 1,000, though, you're saying those are people that did not provide a birth certificate or Social Security? Correct. And, okay. And
1: half of them voted, which which is, wow. is not
0: supposed to happen. Right. And when
1: I, and when we dug into it, what, what, <laughs> what I learned is that. There are some local boards of canvassers who for uh, about half of the about, – for about close to 200 of the 500 votes, uh, they failed to read off the social security number that was supplied on the voter registration card that was filled out. Wow. And they never entered it into the computer. Amazing. Right? So, so we have dysfunction – up and down the line, right? Yep. My, my, I haven't seen the voter registration system. I haven't had my eyes on it. But it's got to be pretty rinky-dink to, to, to allow the end users to put that kind of bad data into the system. And remember, oh. once the voter registration goes into the system, yep. the only way you can remove it if somebody dies is if you know what the person's social is.
0: Right. Otherwise right? it stays. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So we're creating all kinds of downstream problems oh. by running it, you know, the, the way that we're doing it. There's slop all over the place. It's yep. highly unprofessional. Yeah. Uh, and honestly, you know, the federal government gives the state of Rhode Island millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars yep. to maintain our election system and, and, and to, you know, put make upgrades to it and all that sort of thing. Uh, It is utterly lacking, in my professional opinion, based on what I've seen and what I've dug out of the Secretary of State's office and the Board of Elections. And, you know, we, we should be doing much better than we are. There are states that are excellent at this. We're not one of them, And, and we are not anywhere
0: close, Excellent, no. Folks, he is um, Ken Block. Ken, we're going to leave it there. Great job. We will uh, talk to you again. Folks, it's John DePietro. Thank you, Ken. Uh, folks, it's John DePietro. Stay tuned. A lot more to go. The power hour is next uh, right after the 1 o'clock news. Bringing you up to speed. That is really amazing. And a lot more to go on this Monday. Again, we're going to break for the 1 o'clock news. Uh, the John DePietro Show continues next hour, AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Right now, it's 1 o'clock. The views expressed on the following program of those of its hosts and participants in no way reflect those of the staff or management of WNRI. The pandemic, civil unrest, protest, and the road to the White House. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. And good afternoon, everyone. Here I am. Folks, what a hot one it is. My goodness, it's hot out on this Monday. My goodness, it is July 20th. Uh, welcome to the lunchtime, one and all. Here I am. It is one. Temperature right now is just checking real time. Depends on where you are, but it feels like it's 100 degrees. You know, that's another pet peeve, these people that say 100. No, it's 100, right? 100, 200. Let's count together. 100, followed by 200, followed by 300, followed by 400, followed by 500. 88? No. 98? 99? 100? No, it's it's 100? It's 100. Just like someone that says he's a billion. No, he's a one billion. Well, I guess you could say billionaire, millionaire, billionaire. But anyhow, uh, real-time temperature depends on where you are. Certain places, it feels even hotter, as a matter of fact. But good day to stay inside. We're going to bring you up to speed on everything during this uh, lunchtime. Folks, I want to thank again Justin Katz, who was our guest uh, last hour. If whatever reason you missed last hour, which is um, our segment which happens to be uh, this week in politics. If you missed it, you just log on to the website, depetro.com, D-E-P-E-T-R-O.com, and then right under radio show, you can uh, see that. As we, um, (coughs) excuse me not covid not a covid cough it's amazing i didn't cough all weekend and all of a sudden now as i'm uh, we're on the radio and also i want to say good afternoon to everybody on uh, facebook live if you're on facebook find the page it's john petro show and then you can always listen am 1380 99.9 fm or many people just listen online at the website it's crystal clear uh, com. you click listen live and then when you get to that page there's a little button like a You just press play and boom, and you can hear it wherever you may be. This portion of the program, folks, as we kick things off, is brought to you by, and we're honored to have them, Rhode Island's number one garden center. Of course, I'm referring to PR, Landscape Materials, and Garden Center, located 3688 Quaker Lane in North Kingstown. You know, there's so much of summer left, and you can have your your property looking fantastic. PR Landscape Materials and Garden Center. Look for them on Facebook. Thirty six uh, PR Landscape Materials and Garden Center. Their website is prmaterials.shop. Their address is thirty six eighty eight Quaker Lane in North Kingstown. It's Stephen, Debbie, and Junior and Byron. And right now, what a selection they have! What I'm most amazed at, I was there yesterday. They have 12-inch pots of perennials, hibiscus, 12-inch pots of Delilah's, assorted colors. What I find the most amazing, and I mean this as the ultimate compliment to my friends at PR Landscape Materials in Garden Center, right across from where Ali's Donuts used to be, back before they became Antifa Donuts. But what is so amazing, I I am most impressed on the colors, the, the variety of colors. It would just bring your property to life. Stop in and see them. It's worth the trip to Rhode Island's number one garden center right off of Route 4. It's PR, Landscape Materials, and Garden Center. Take a ride and see them. They also have gift certificates. Stop it and see them today. Well, folks, right now it's uh, 12.09. Now, Ken Block is going to join me. Ken Block is going to join me coming up at 12.30. Ken Block, this is a major alert. He has uncovered uh, examples of voter fraud, and we're going to talk about it, folks. We're going to talk about it with Ken Block He's watchdog. I'll tell you, the guy is a workhorse, and he gets to the uh, root of it. And there's so much about voter fraud. When, whenever you hear people say, "Oh, dead people voting," um, you, you know that—that's to me, that's really not the root cause of it. When someone says to me, "Dead people voting," I—I'm just being honest. I view that as someone who's not really plugged into what the fraud is. The fraud is Justin Katz and myself. were talking about last hour. It's it's really with this ballot harvesting, and it's really with people that are registered in more than one district. That's a big part of this that is going on. When people say, you mean dead people voting? I, I always view that as then they don't really know what we're talking about. We're talking about, and we'll get into it with Ken Block, but he is finding examples of people that are registered in more than one city. So they're voting. In Cranston, They're voting in Providence. They're voting in East Providence. They're voting in Lincoln. They're voting in Woonsocket. They're voting all over. And there's no one looking for them. There's no one looking to stop them. That is something that needs to be pointed out. We're going to talk to Ken Block. You don't want to miss this. Coming up at 1230. But, folks, I want to be very clear. So this Thursday night, uh, I was asked, and I will be the MC of the defend the police. Defend the police. The anti-police forces, they want to defund the police. We say defend the police. It's going to be Thursday night, 6.30, 7 o'clock, right at the Providence Public Safety Complex, right where JR's fast lane used to be, right off of 95. You'll see the people there. And I also want to um, be very clear. Folks, we need a good turnout. Uh, obviously, there will be law enforcement there. People are asking me, do I think there's going to be trouble? I I, I will answer it this way. You're naive if you don't think that counter protesters are going to show up, however, that should not stop you from attending. I want to repeat that. It shouldn't stop you from attending. Now, there is a difference. If there's going to be any trouble, they're going to start it. Now, the, 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 the defend the police forces, we will finish it. But if there's any trouble that is started, it'll be started by them. But someone asked me, do you think there'll be... Well, let, let's, let's look at the landscape. This is the same crowd that tried to burn down Providence Place Mall. This is the same crowd, the anti-police forces, that had a riot in downtown Providence. This is the same crowd that had 10, <coughs> part of 10,000 people at a rally downtown. Where the media wanted to pick this as a peaceful rally, even though a police officer was injured... They were throwing bottles. They were swearing. They were trying to antagonize. But the big moment from the rally was the brave firefighter that told the story, reading from his phone, prepared remarks that someone prepared for him, and the TV reporter rubbing his shoulder. You're so brave to tell this story and read from your phone like this on live television. You know, that has been The narrative, the television stations, the media, they don't like what's happening because it's it's challenging their narrative that it was a beautiful, peaceful rally, except for the fact the police officers were injured. They were smashing windows. They vandalized the state house. Then they the other rally where then they were trying to burn down Providence Place Mall. Now, someone asked me, but do you think they're going to show up at the defend back the blue rally on Thursday night? Well, let's look at the history. I attended, as many of you know that follow me on Facebook, I was at the the defund the police rally, not this past Sunday, not yesterday, but the Sunday before. And what did we find? You know, blank, the police words I can't use. They talked about it's time for another riot. They talked about we're going to burn this city down. And then that night, where did they end up? 30 of them. On the east side, trying to get into the home of Governor Raimondo. And what did the media report? Protesters marched by the house. Excuse me. First of all, you weren't even there. That's number one. Number two, no, they didn't march by. They were setting off explosives and they were trying to get in the house. The street was blocked off. So they had gone the week before that, they went to Mayor Lorz's house. That resulted in 24 hour protection. Mayor Lorza wants to defund the police department, but when he runs into trouble, he puts protection at his mother's house. So someone asked me, do you think they're going to show up at the rally? I said, again, let's just look at the pattern. They went to Governor Mundo's house last Sunday night. Saturday night, I broke the story. They went to Councilman John Igliosi's house in Providence. If you haven't seen it, you can go to the website, petro.com. I have the video right there. They vandalized. They vandalized the tires on his car. They vandalized outside his house. Saturday night also, there's 24-hour police protection at Mayor Lorza's house. We have a witness that saw the protesters, the anti-police protesters at Mayor Lorza's house. So based on that, right now there are three people holding office in Providence that have 24-hour police protection. Governor Armando, Mayor Lors, and at least one council person, Gliosi. Folks, my point is, if they're willing to do that, what would make you think they're not going to show up Thursday night? The answer is yes, they are and as someone that has been covering them I'm going to tell you something different than what the media has been reporting to you as someone that has now been following and dealing with this crowd since late May early June into late May, I have been going to these protests I've been going to these rallies i I have anyone that has seen it has been harassed and threatened. Um, the crowd I did went to the defund police rally that was downtown at Birdside Park, where that Aaron Rugenberg was there amongst others. Uh, this crowd that goes, the crowd that was at Governor Mundo's house, they also show up at press conferences now. One of them was at the mayor Lords of Reparations press conference that he held last week. Let me tell you something. this crowd, they are rude. They have, by the way, they are predominantly white. They're black and white. So this is not a racist statement I'm about to make. This is not racist. They're predominantly white. It goes about 70-30, black to white. But they are rude. They are, a lot of them are criminals known to law enforcement. They think nothing of getting arrested. They've been arrested a half dozen times. They have no respect for themselves, for their neighborhood and community. So they certainly don't have respect for me and you, they are anti-police forces. They have been trying to get rid of the police for quite some time, and this is the same crowd, by the way, that last summer was at the Wyatt Detention Center in Central Falls. Now, if you saw my coverage when I went to the defund the police rally, it was last Sunday, not yesterday. Last Sunday at the Rhode Island State House, I put the camera right there. On the closest thing to Antifa in Rhode Island, John Brown Gun Club. Now, they're armed. They, they carry. They have weapons. A lot of them have different types of weapons, you know, sticks and bats and clubs and things like that. These people, if you remember from the grand jury at the Wyatt Detention Center, the reason why that correctional officer was not charged is there were people that were armed in the crowd. So they're a little bit off to begin with. So Thursday night, I I would be unbelievably surprised if they don't show up. But, folks, we can't be intimidated by these people. They don't respect the law the way that you and I do. They certainly don't respect the police. They don't respect the neighborhoods. You know what? Let's just be honest. They don't respect anything. They don't respect authority. They are... You know, the, the, the mindset that is going on right now, there, there's a new store that has um, campaign gear, if you will, for the Trump campaign in, uh, in Smithfield. And there's a story about it. And I have a post it on my Facebook page. And I'm going to talk about it a little bit next hour. But it's starting to become it's like almost acceptable that people are calling up and there's, there's the, the, the restaurant above it and then the store. There are people calling up threatening the restaurant. Because their sign is above a Trump for president campaign store. And it, it is seen as acceptable. Now, that night at Governor Mundo's house, those people that were trying to get into the house, that's attempted breaking and entering. That were causing a commotion. That's disturbing the peace. That were setting off explosives. They, that's violating the law. They vandalized the police car. There were a host of reasons of why those people should have been arrested and no one was arrested. It was the same thing. The first rally at the statehouse, they smashed the doors at the Rhode Island Statehouse and no one was arrested. They have videotape of that. They know who did that. See, when you start to tolerate vandalism, when you start to tolerate lawbreaking, well, that crowd is just going to push it about as far as they can go without question. So but I will be there Thursday night. And you, you have to be blind. And I know the people organizing the rally said, well, we had a rally in Warwick and there was no problem. We had a rally in North Providence. And there was no problem. We had a rally in Lincoln. And there was no problem. Listen, this is different. None of those places have had protests. Where have the protests been? In Providence. Where do the bulk of this crowd live? I'm not saying all of them, but they gather, live, and they're active in Providence. So, and, and by the way, let me, let me also be clear. You can't be nice to this crowd. You can't reason with this crowd. They, it's, they have unreasonable, um, non-negotiable demands. That's what it's like. People think, well, we'll just be nice and explain. We want to do our little rally. They don't care. They don't care about you. They don't care about your property. They don't care about your family. They don't care about anything. It's non-negotiable demands, Which is, boom, defund the police or we're going to vandalize your home and we're going to hurt. That's the way they operate. But it is time for the elected officials to start to strike back. And I applaud that John Igliosi for speaking out. Because some people are saying to me, you know, you shouldn't even cover some of that. Oh, okay, so we're going to pretend it's not happening. We're going to hide and pretend we don't see them trying to burn down the city ripping down statues vandalizing you think that's going to make them go away no that encourages them you shine a light on them the bulk of them are cowards and they need to be exposed and you do that by highlighting you don't do it by ignoring them if you ignore them and think they're going to go away they're not going away if you ignore them that's what people tried with terrorists john igliosi said it's a form of terrorism he's right it is i'm glad to hear someone say it but the elected officials are also saying, "I don't want them arrested. I don't want them arrested, folks." As I told you last Sunday night, they were at Governor Armando's house, and there were ample reasons that that those protesters, the anti-police, defund the police protesters, they should have been arrested, and they won't arrest them. For the number one, the color of their skin, and number two, they feel, well, we don't want to inflame them. They get more brazen, they get more bold. I repeat, if that was me and you and a group of people and we're in Make America Great Again Red Hats, boom, would have been arrested in two seconds. And the local media that likes to coddle them and keep calling them peaceful protesters. Oh, look at the the angry Trump supporters led by the hate was foaming at the mouth coming out. They were arrested by the police for spreading their hate. They would have called it a hate crime. This portion of the John DePietro Show is brought by Vero Industries. Now, take down this phone number, V-E-R-O, Vero Industries. What do they do? Well, over 40 years' experience buying and selling gold, silver, and other precious metals. You know, right now, gold is at an all-time high. If you would like to be liquid, if you would like to get some cash in your pocket, and it doesn't matter what it's, old, broken, or new, silverware, jewelry, serving trays, tea, coffee sets— the person that will give you the most money and treat you the fairest is my friend Leo with Vero, V-E-R-O, Vero Industries. You can call him at 401-434-8900, 401-434-8900, Vero Industries, silverware, watches, half earring pieces, buy or sell of individual coins and collections, weekend and evening appointments are available at uh, their location or yours, East Providence and Warwick V-E-R-O, Vero Industries. Call them at 401 434 8900 I will post this actually right now. I'm gonna post this right on my um, Facebook page. Vero Industries. Folks, Leo, I'll tell you, he is the real deal. He will treat you fairly. And he will I'm gonna post their um post them right now. He will give you the most money for your gold and silver. Vero Industries. Contact Leo today. Good. There it is. All right. I just posted it. Just posted it. Vero Industries. 40 years experience. Call them. You want to be liquid right now. Why not? 434-8900. 434-8900. But someone needs to speak out. Uh, And again, we, we are going to talk with Ken Block coming up. At Folks, and, and there's no Governor Raimondo press briefing today. The Raimondo press briefing is now Wednesday uh, once a week. Now, and some other people, if you would like to ask me ask a question, I want you to understand that things happen in real time. You don't prepare a question on a Monday for a Wednesday press briefing. Let's see what happens between now and then. So people, I hope you ask Governor Raimondo about, well, you don't get 10 questions, those that have watched it. Uh, you're lucky if you get two. Um, I still disagree with the beach situation. I still disagree with the, the uh, this business of closing um, the parking lots at the beaches. But from what I understand, it was still crowded. Something to watch is how Governor Raimondo is going to react to these other states with the virus. Because she had wanted everybody back in school on August 31st. And I, I don't see that happening. We'll find out. We still have a long way to go, by the way. We have a long way to go. I don't think they're going to know until mid-month, next month. But you already – and there's a variety of different reasons. It's not unfounded. And I know many people are saying, yeah, but the kids don't it's, – it's not so much about the kids. It's, it is a problem with the teachers. It is a problem with the teachers, and that's a reasonable, fearful thing. I don't understand there isn't more out-of-the-box thinking of the virus uh, disperses if you're outside. The virus does not spread as easily if you're outside. I don't understand why September, October, better part of November, they don't try to conduct class more outside at certain schools that can do it. So not everybody's school can. Now, someone's going to say, yeah, what if it's 100 degrees? I mean, all right, it is today, but how many days do you really get like that? And if it was going to be too hot to be inside or outside even even if you set up tents on the property of the school um all right so then that's a day to do distance learning it's not going to be 100 degrees or 95 degrees the entire month of september god these people that thrive on like the exceptions i don't understand this portion of the program is much why it's my health now listen you want to stay healthy It's my health. Marie has this tremendous store at 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland, northern part of the state. You can call her at 305-3585. Stop in and see Marie. I'll bet so many of you have always driven by. I'm holding up the photo to everyone on Facebook Live, that old white church on Menden Road. Well, now's your excuse to pop in. And see Marie, it's called It's My Health, and inside vitamins, herbal remedies, trusted companies, local products like the fabulous antioxidant, a berry. All you need is a shot of this, a day to stay nice and healthy. Stop in to It's My Health, located 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. You can call her at 305-3585. Inside vitamins, herbal remedies, trusted companies, local products, over 250 bulk herbs, teas, and spices that can be purchased by the ounce, plus box herbs and teas, and hemp and CBD products. Stop in, say hello to my friend Marie. Listen, because it's your health. And she has a full wall of ingredients that are healthy for you that you could include into you know various things that you're cooking. And number one, the flavor is great. But number two, it's good for you, such as mushrooms and other things like that. It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Now, Ken Block is going to join us momentarily, Watchdog R.I. And the reason I asked uh, Ken to uh, join us is the information that he is finding. Um, first of all, he also asked, why is it taking some people 10 days to get virus test results back in Rhode Island? Well, I think I kind of know the answer to that. One of the reasons is the fact that as much as they thought we were on track, you now have other states that are in trouble. Florida's in trouble. Georgia's in trouble. South Carolina is having trouble with the virus. Mississippi's having trouble with the virus. Alabama's having trouble with the virus. Texas, Arizona had the their highest death toll day uh, in Arizona and obviously California. My point is the labs are backed up. So I don't think it was a great idea to stop the rapid testing that they had in Rhode Island. I know they weren't fully reliable, but they were somewhat reliable. Uh, But Ken Block, Ken Block found 200 duplicate active voter registrations in the Rhode Island voter registration rolls. That means the same person at the same address had two different voter registrations. So we're going to talk to him coming up momentarily. One of these people with two voter registrations appeared to vote twice in the 2018 general election. Once in person, once by mail ballot. Folks, this is why she also writes, um, the Secretary of State's office is currently reviewing the information. This is what I have been telling you. What these people do is they're voting at the polls and by mail because no one is checking the board of elections. No one is checking the mail ballots. So now in 2018, there was 60,000, Governor Raimondo had 60,000 votes by mail ballot. Now, I've been told, people have been wondering, how did Governor Gina Raimondo get 53% of the vote? Her approval rating was at 36%. She got 53% of the vote. To me, the answer is actually very simple. The Raimondo people were hiring people that were ballot harvesting. I think it's clear now. So they were voting both at the polls. They were voting by mail. Some people were even voting three.